Xbox shrugs first in the first party subscription plan. Google hires former PlayStation Xbox bigwig Phil Harrison. And Washington State contemplates what are loot boxes. Stay tuned this week in games. Welcome. It's the fourth week of January 2018, and you're listening to This Week in Games. We're here to break down the top game industry-related news for you guys, so you don't have to go hunt them down yourselves. So the biggest news this week is Xbox Game Pass. Now what Xbox Game Pass is, is a $10 a month or $60 every six months pass. Um, However, it's a much better value than PlayStation Plus which I think I pay $60, $65 a year. So for PlayStation Plus, you get kind of a handful, maybe two big titles, four indie titles, a handful of free games a month to play. Xbox Game Pass, you get 100 games to play. Now that may sound like a lot, you know. However, they sweeten the pot. You get first party games day one. So in the announcement, they mentioned Sea of Thieves, Crackdown 3, and State of Decay 2. But upcoming, they have Halo, Forza, and Gears of War. Day one launch, you get these $10 a month. You do the math, a single Xbox first party game, $60. If you were planning on buying two a year, this already covers that. So you get all these other side games, which are indie games and backwards compatible games, and maybe. Um, older games that they redid to play on Xbox, but this is a this is a big thing. I don't think people are paying enough attention to this. Basically, I feel like Xbox is trying to kill off part of their division. But you remember a while ago, Xbox decided first party games were going to launch day one on Xbox and Windows platform. So. Now, with Game Pass, you get day one access to Xbox games without buying them. So this is really interesting, and uh, I wonder what PlayStation is going to do to follow suit. I think Xbox, I don't know if this, I think they were forced into this situation. I feel like Xbox is really lacking behind this console generation with PlayStation kind of being front and center as the majority stakeholder platform and then Nintendo Switch being such a unique and you know first party supported platform it's also succeeding very well and then far behind we have Xbox with only a handful of first party games that people remember for when they were developed at other studios and yeah so Xbox really uh really is offering something new up and I'm curious to see how people take this in. So next we have Washington State introduces a bill for loot boxes. So gamesindustry.biz is reporting that State Senator Kevin Ranker is introducing a bill for the Washington State Gambling Commission to go over loot boxes. Specifically, they're going to go over whether loot boxes are gambling, whether loot boxes belong in games, and whether kids should have access to this game mechanic. And, you know, we saw this with, I think it was Belgium, who looked into passing laws against loot boxes. I think Japan has their Kampu Gacha 
um, law that's a specific type of uh, gotcha machine law that's it's a mechanic that's banned and it's a specific type of uh, gotcha machine mechanic that's banned in Japan and yeah I mean this is <laughs> I think loot boxes are gambling so I think it pretty much makes sense that loot boxes are gonna be regulated Basically, you're just using the exact same mechanic as real gambling. The only difference is you can't transfer the funds from the in-game loot boxes back to real money. So that's the only difference. But then, um, you know, uh, digital casinos or casual casinos or social casinos, whatever word you want to pin on them, those are legal and those are out in the wild, and no one's trying to stop them. I think it's only because loot boxes got so effective that states are looking to regulate them. Because right now you could go download, I think, every Caesars slot machine and play it on your phone. You just can't earn real money and bring it back out into the real world. That's the only difference, but... You know, I I don't know. I don't think loot boxes will get regulated. I think it's a terrible mechanic that's found its way into too many AAA games, and it's become a hinge for, you know, business business uh, business stakeholders at game companies to make ends meet instead of making a quality game, and that you could sell two million, ten million copies at $60 and turn a profit. Um, I think the industry jumped on the hype chain and made too many iterative games that just installed loot boxes to, you know, make the bottom line. So hopefully we're not going to get, <laughs> we're not going to get government regulating what mechanics we can put in the games. However, I'm glad to see that more attention is placed on this crafting mechanic that brings games down. So the other news this week, uh, Polygon reported about Eve's million dollar battle. This is where Eve supposedly had a million dollars worth of ships battling at this one point. Now, that is if you translated the Eve currency from in Eve to US dollars, it would equal a million dollars. Actually, it came out to 996,000 according to Polygon, but very close to a million, close enough for me to just call it the million dollar battle. And I think the final estimates were that about $4,000 was lost during the battle. Basically, the battle didn't go off as planned and the attackers weren't able to execute their overall plan, I'm not going to explain what it is because it's very complicated. You have to know how these EVE massive battles work, and I'm not going to break it down right now. But basically, um, the servers became unstable because this was the most amount of people at any given time in a single location in EVE. And they didn't know what the threshold for players was, and the servers eventually crumbled and weren't able to take it. So... The attackers had this giant plan to pull off, and when the servers became unstable, it actually favored the defender. So, Eve's working on it, and hopefully we'll see the $2 million battle next year. 
All right, I'm gonna run through some business highlights and I'll just quick fire these. So first off, Nintendo shares jump a little over 4% from the announcement of Labo. That makes sense. Uh, I think at this point, um, you know, Wall Street or the Japanese Wall Street understands that whenever Nintendo takes a giant risk, it, it almost always turns out in their favor look at the Wii and how everyone had a negative reaction to it. And then it went on to be a huge selling console. Um, look at the Switch. So now with the Labo on the Switch, uh, everyone's betting on Nintendo. So GameIndustry.biz reported Mel.ru acquires eForce for $100 million. So this is a pretty strange story. So eForce is a Russian esports company. And they had an estimated revenue in 19 million in 2017. Um, Mel.ru is acquiring them, claiming their revenue was much higher than that, and that they're looking to grow their revenue another 100% this year. So last year they were able to grow it, I think, 150%, and they're looking to grow it even another 100% this year. And according to their forecast, esports are going to overtake mainstream sports in Russia in another decade or so. So. Guess we'll just have to see if that bet pays off. <laughs> so Epic Games acquires Cloudin or Cloudgen, sorry. Um, Cloudgen is a cloud computing company. It's done um, work for games like Crackdown 3. Um, and Epic Games require, acquired them to put this into their Unreal 4 engine. So very curious to see what native cloud computing support Unreal 4 will have in the future. All right, next... Um, our weekly 10 cent spends an insane amount of money story. The Los Angeles Times is reporting Tencent invested $100 million into Skydance Media. So Skydance Media is a VR studio. No VR studio right now is worth $100 million. But Tencent has more money than I think money exists on the planet. And I don't know how they accomplish this, but they do. So I guess this is our weekly 10 cent investment. <laughs> Um, and finally, this is probably the biggest business story of the week, and it's Aristocrat buys Big Fish for $990 million. That is insane. That's almost $1 billion. So for those of you who don't know, Big Fish started off as an extremely casual company, making kind of like point-and-click adventures, hidden objects, and other casual games in a browser um, they claim to be a digital first company, meaning that these games uh, get launched on a digital browser platform before going to anywhere else. And then they were acquired, I forgot by who, but for around $400 million in I think 2014. And then at that point, they slowly changed from these very casual games to more heavily on social casino games, casual casino, whatever you want to call it, basically casino games in your browser that you can't pull money out of. And they themed them in the same themes that they have for their other games. So Aristocrat being the largest, second largest, I don't know. They're one of the biggest real money and digital slot machine companies in the world. So if you go to Vegas, you can always see a ton of aristocrat slot machines grouped up together. Um, aristocrat buys Big Fish, no surprise, for their casual casino market. They're not buying Big Fish for 
point-and-click adventures in hidden object games. So, yeah, um, I guess that's where the money is. If you're looking to get acquired, pivot. Casual casinos are hot. All right, let's go through some people highlights. So, one of the original Sonic team leaders, Yuki Naka, joined Square Enix. Um, he was also a producer on Fantasy Star Online and Samba de Amigo and a few other games over there at Sega. It's a pretty big move. Um, I don't know what he's going to do at Square Enix. And the other big story is Google hires Phil Harrison as both the VP and GM. Now, it's unknown what Phil Harrison is going to work on, but Phil Harrison is a big mover when it comes to physical hardware in the game space. So he's known for launching the PlayStation platform in North America in 1995, and I believe he was with PlayStation for around 15 years. He also was the president of Worldwide Studios at Sony during that time. And then he also worked at Microsoft as a VP of Xbox business for three years. So this guy is kind of like known for hardware in the game industry. The fact that he's going to Google, I mean, all the rumors swirling around are saying VR, AR, some kind of mixed reality. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I have to imagine Google sees AR. Everyone sees AR as the future. Um, however, it's about how do you get people to adopt your AR platform first? And as we know, gamers are early adopters, you know, we're willing to take risks for amazing products. So maybe that's a uh, Google's Trojan horse to get AR in every home. And the last bit of news this week, this is a sad one. Um, the Barlett Jones Supernatural Detective detective agency lays off a majority of their staff so i'm here in san diego san diego this is a san diego based studio and i think they laid off everyone but seven people and i want to encourage everyone who lost their jobs you know reach out there's plenty of well not plenty of but we do have a game development community here in san diego so hopefully rockstar zynga um sony uh let's see daybreak there's a lot of studios if you look around psionics who makes rocket league there in downtown san diego so please hopefully um you're applying to jobs and you know hopefully everything goes well for those people now the barlett jones supernatural detective agency they're known for drawn to death third-person shooter had a very kind of like a kid scribbling in their um, school notebook kind of look to it it was a very unique look and uh, yeah that's really sad so hopefully everyone lands on their feet and uh, we have better news next week so that's it that wraps up the fourth week of January I'm Eric McConnell and this is this week in games